0: and I just was dawning on me last night as I was praying about this morning, is that how many times do we fall into the trap to think that we need to work in order for God to forgive us? Or we need to work or be good Christians in order to enjoy a relationship with God. Not only that, but many times people put this whole emphasis on the fact that, enjoy God. This is, look what God does for you. But David wasn't experiencing all the blessings, all the privileges of a relationship with God because he was working hard. He was experiencing them because he exposed the filthiness of his life to God. Living exposed. And when he lived exposed, all of a sudden, he began to realize what he really had in the Lord. We get it backwards today. Many times we are so frantically longing for this amazing relationship with God and we struggle and we try to do it by works rather than counting our righteousness as only coming from a holy God. We've talked about this a lot. The gospel really shows us that we think backwards. The world thinks backwards. And it was really interesting. As I sat there and watched the pig, it just surprises me that the first uh, first instance of pain, unfamiliar, something that scared her, something she was not familiar with, she ran back to what looks like captivity but for her, it was safety, contentment, and calmed her down. And that's really what we have in the Lord. So many times in our life we 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 hear the religious card thrown out, and the world throws a lot of things in, and like, oh, you're just being religious and you're just being a goody two-shoe and you're doing all these good things, and you're 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 right? You're doing all these things, and that's so confining, and it's all of these things. The world says that is not good. Look at all the freedom you can have, and yet when we venture out in the world, we get zapped. We have pain. We have frustration. We're shaken. We don't understand why things are the way they are, and the world tells us to run to other good things that make you feel good. Focus on whatever makes you feel good, but it never lasts, and we're taught to live by addiction. You have to seek that which makes you feel good, rather than run back and expose yourself to the safe and loving arms of our Father in heaven. And it was quite a contrast for me. And as we look at verses 6 through 11, This morning we get the privilege of looking what a true relationship with God looks like when we expose all of our filthiness to to God. The privilege that God and the relationship with God and what it gives to us. And we realize that not hiding our sin, but exposing our sin brings great joy and comfort with a loving God. Would you pray with me and ask God to teach us this morning? Lord, we are simply here because of you and your word, your spirit, which breathes life into our life. That gives us joy, unshakable joy, full of your glory, full of your grace, full of your truth we get to see the glimpse of the divine work in which you have lavished your love upon us because of what Jesus has done when he died on the cross, when you paid for our sin. You ran ahead and threw your divine sovereign authority as a cloak around our shoulders to say that you are mine. I have forgiven you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have done this work that you might enjoy a true and lasting relationship with us. Lord, I pray this morning that we would maybe look at our lives differently and not focused on how good we are. But Lord, may your goodness reign supreme in our thoughts, our actions, and in our talk. Teach us, I pray, from these words that you have given us to dissect and to enjoy this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. In verse 6, we shift. In fact, we see God speaking, but we shift into the fact that we see all of these things, what we have because of forgiveness, and it's a work of God. We see that we saw what hinders our spiritual contentment, transgressions, our defiance, sin, our defect that we have before a holy God, our iniquity, the distortion of the truth, the deceit and the guile, in which, uh, the deception by which we live our life and we lie before a holy God. All of this hinders our relationship. It hinders our emotional well-being and it hinders us physically, spiritually. It Ultimately, it hurts the relationship with this God who wants to forgive you through the blood of Christ. We need to change our approach to our relationship with God by confessing the total existence of our sin, the total extent of our sin and the total error of our sin. In doing that, it brings this amazing cleansing, closeness, and it brings this correction in our life, and it brings a closeness with a heavenly Father who wraps His arms around you in a total cleansing of your spirit of your emotion, of the joy that you can have in your life, it speaks of a privilege that we have by being a part of the family of God. What's sad is in the gospel, a lot of people I ask, and they say, I ask them, so what is the gospel? And they immediately run to the privilege The gospel isn't the privilege, it's the byproduct of the good news of what Jesus has done for you. When you have come in total dependence and you've opened up your life to God and and just exposed your sinfulness to the Lord, the byproduct is this wonderful and immense privilege of being a part of the family of God. Verse 6 through 11 really begins to speak of this. It says, Therefore, because of what God has done for us, because of our sin, because of His total forgiveness, when we expose that before a holy God, it says, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer a prayer. Let us come to God. That's what prayer is, coming to the Lord. Prayer to you at a time when you may be found surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach Him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eyes upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, right? Like Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. O righteous and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Now that we know that we can have spiritual contentment, we can have joy by exposing our life before the Lord, David is talking about we need to look at the benefits, look at the privileges that this relationship gives. What happens when we expose ourselves? Many times we lie, we work, we try to cover up our sins because we don't believe. We don't trust that God will wrap His arms around you. But David says, no, look at what he has done. He's speaking from sheer, utter um, experience. The fact that this is true and we need to trust what God says. The first one that we see is the privilege of divine protection divine protection. Those who walk with the Lord enjoy Him as a place of refuge. We can run to God when we mess up, when we sin, when we're hurt, when we're struggling. Think about it, who can wrap His arms around you? The world can't. The world does not know you. The world does not know your pain. The world does not know your troubles. The world cannot offer you the protection that God provides. Your work in your life, being a quote-unquote good Christian, will not protect you. But God can. God is there. That's why in 1 Corinthians, Paul told the church in Corinthians, look, no temptation has overtaken you. That's what is not common to man. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. And He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, He will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God will protect you when you run to Him, when you're struggling. God will protect you and provide the things that you need in life. Think about it. If David had prayed instead of played, Where might David be? Think about it. He was playing. He wasn't spending time. When he was struggling, he wasn't spending time with God. In this instance, we know with his sin with Bathsheba, he was on the rooftop doing something he shouldn't have been doing. He was supposed to be out with the army at the battle leading them. That was his responsibility to encourage his men. Instead, he was living in lavish luxury on the top of his Sweet, right? And when he was tempted, rather than praying, he ran to the temptation. Think about all the sorrow that his family has experienced. Matthew chapter 7, we hear about, you know, the don't build your house on the sand, but build it upon the rock. By the way, the idea of protection is this fortress A rock fortress, a fortress that can hold no matter what the storm is, no matter what painful experience that you have experienced or will experience or are experiencing, God is your fortress. A mighty fortress is our God, right? Martin Luther, no matter what he experienced, he knew that God was more important than religion. God's Word was more important than religion. God's salvation, the good news of what He has done for you, was more important than anything else. The second thing we see here in Psalm 32 is not only that, that He is is our protection, but He is our preservation. He preserves. We can endure He is our hiding place. Verse 7, You are the hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. He helps us. Troubles and trials will come as we pass through this life. It was like, you know, I was watching the pig the other day and it just, it brings me joy when I see my animals just enjoying life. I'm not the tradition, I don't just see, you know, T-bones and ribeyes and hamburger. <laughs> Although some of my cows look more like hamburger, the more trouble they give me, um, you know, because it takes a while to build a good rib ribeye, you know. But uh, the thing is, is I just get such joy. I love having coffee and watching my animals with contentment. And as I sit there and I have coffee and I just sit with them, and it, it makes enjoying my meat a little bit more difficult. <laughs> but here's the thing, is I love seeing the just content, They're content. I can only imagine what it's like when God is sitting there in our relationship, when we expose ourselves to God, we stop fighting against God, we believe that God truly is our caring Father who loves us, who knows our infirmities, who knows our troubles, and he is... He is mending all of our fences every day to preserve us, to care for us. And to see, and I can imagine the joy that he has as he sits there and watches over our lives. Colossians chapter 3, it says, Set your mind on the things that are above. Set our minds on the Father who is above, not on the things that are on earth. Don't dwell on the earthly things because they cannot preserve you. Verse 3, it says, for you have died, basically, to the world, and your life is hidden in Christ. All the wrath, all the, the turmoil that the world will go through, all the things that this world is going to be gone someday, but your life is not hidden in good things. Your life is not hidden in your good works. Your life is not hidden because the world is good. Your life is hidden in Christ because He is our good. He preserves us. Our life is hidden with, God, with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, you will also appear with Him in glory. That's our loving Father. When we expose ourselves, we deal with our sins, we confront, and we go and we just bear our life before God. And we stop trying to hide our sin with good deeds or just hide it and lie. We enjoy this preser- preser- preserving relationship with God. You know, it's amazing to think about trouble stocked David daily. Hard life was with David daily. His family life was hard. And yet God preserved him through it all. That's our life with God. The third thing that we see, this great privilege that we have, is, is that the privilege of divine proximity. God speaks at this point in verses 8 and 9. He says, I will instruct you. God is saying, I'm going to do this. He says, I will instruct you, I will teach you, I will counsel you. But don't be like a horse or a mule, right? Don't be like a horse or a mule. Now, when I think of this verse, I think more of a mule. That stubborn, you know, why did God put a mule in there? You know, a horse you can train to obey. In fact, it's amazing. If you've never studied the anatomy of horses, God literally made it like their mouth for a bit to fit perfectly in their mouth, to guide their life. God made us as if we have have been saved and God has worked in your life and He has saved you from your sin and you're a part of the family of God. He has made your life to be directed by His Word through the power of the Holy Spirit to turn you, to direct you, to give you understanding. But He says, don't be like a horse and mule Mule being the one who fights against the Word of God, or the fights against the direction of God, fights against the real love of God. He promises to give God guidance and direction. I don't know about you, but have you ever been given a job and you just say, go out and do it? And you stand there and you look at the job and you're thinking, I have no clue what I'm doing, right? That's just about 90% of what I do on the farm. It's like, YouTube. <laughs> I was working with Aaron this week and he's like, How long have you done this? And I said, right now. (laughs) He was like, how do we tie insulators up on the post? I said, I don't know. We looked it up on YouTube. I said, that's how we do it. (laughs) But when we are bare before God, when we're not trying to hide our sin, we're not trying to cover our sin with just being good little believers, God instructs us. He will give us the direction we need to go. And understanding with it. Sometimes we're doing stuff on the farm. I don't understand why we're doing it. We're just doing it because somebody told me to. And they've done it a lot longer than I have. But God is different. It's this proximity. We get to enjoy a close proximity with God. The idea here is that David is this extreme closeness with the eyes. Did you notice the end here? It says that the fact that my eye will be upon you, it's a a warning look, a warming look, a warm look of adoration or of closeness. It's not only that, but it's a warning of, be careful, don't touch that wire, it will zap you, right? I was telling my pigs the other day, don't do that, and they did it anyway. (laughs) They learned. Now they walk straight up to it, they stop dead in their tracks and they turn. It's amazing. They learn so fast. But it's also a welcoming look. That idea here of this eye is upon you, it's a wrapping of God's arms saying, I love you. Think about this as Psalm 33 verses 18 and 19 has the same idea. It says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him on those who hope in his steadfast love that he may deliver their souls from death and keep them alive in famine. This idea of a closeness. Think about husband and wives. The longer that you've lived with your wife, right, husbands, they give you the look. You know the look I'm talking about, right? It's either the look like, don't you dare, right? Or it's the look of, come here. Or it's it's the look of, I just... Love you, right? You know the look, kids. You know the look from mom, right? The look of you better run, or <laughs> she's coming for you. Uh, you you know the look. My kids, when they do something they know they're not supposed to, they don't look at dad. They look to mom. Did mom notice? And then if mom noticed, I better move. (laughs) I better listen. I better do something, right? But it's also the look of when they're hurt, right? The look of, where's mom? And they can see the look, and when they see the look that it's okay, they're calm. They calm down. When they see the look, this is the look that David's describing. It speaks volume. It's that look of closeness, The fact that he takes care, this close proximity, right? Don't be like a mule and keep pushing against God, pulling, doing whatever. Look to God. Realize that what he's been doing for you is, is to care for you, to counsel, to teach, to instruct, so that way you don't go through this life with a bunch of uncertainty, Verse 10, he goes on and says, "Be not, you know, don't be like the horses, but in this, he says in verse 10, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. It's the privilege of divine peace. You look at this, we have protection, preservation, proximity, and peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding, that guards our heart and mind through Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you understand what Paul is saying? That the work of God is sufficient in your life. It's the one, it's God's work that cleanses you from all unrighteousness. It replaces your unrighteousness with God's unrighteousness. And because He puts God's righteousness in your life, it's no longer your good works, but it's God's good work that's complete. And because it's complete, He also gives you complete peace. See, peace is never about our goodness. It's about God's goodness. That's why it's based on Christ Jesus our Lord. You will never be content as long as it's all about your good works. It's all about how good you are. You're going to be in this forever battle fighting an uphill battle you can never win. But God already won that. We get to enjoy peace. Dr. Graham, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. It looks like Scruggy. I looked it up and he's a great theologian back in the turn of the century. He says that a rebellious man is like... A man that's surrounded by a swarm of wasps, right? Have you ever been around a swarm of wasps? They don't stop. They sting and they continue to sting and they bite. They're brutal. They don't just sting, they bite. I know Aaron found a group of our yellow jackets and we're forever trying to kill yellow jackets because we have honeybees and and we want the honeybees to live so we're always killing those stupid yellow jackets. Right? But swarm of wasps, they just, they're nasty. And they just keep stinging, they keep biting. And he says the rebellious man is like a man that's surrounded by a swarm of angry wasps. Whereas the wicked man turns, wherever he turns, wherever he goes, he's being stung. Right, But he says the righteous man, on the other hand, is like a man surrounded by a swarm of of honeybees. Now, that might scare a lot of you, but here's the thing. I've been in a couple of swarms of honeybees. I love it. I, I couldn't believe it. You could see the video in the background. My son's saying, Dad, get out of there. They're going to they're gonna sting you. And I'm like, I'm like, son, it's okay. They don't want to sting me. And I'm just standing there, and it's a, I could not believe the amount of bees that were around in the swarm. But the thing is, is the honeybees are busy making honey. Have you ever had honey from the... It's gold. We we call it liquid gold, right? They're not there to sting, but they're there making us sweet honey. Busy making honey for us. That's the righteous man. That's because his righteousness is found in... God. The image is clear. Those who refuse to walk in the way of the Lord will have sorrow, but he who submits and opens his life to God, does not hide his God, will walk with God, shall have joy, peace, and blessings. Look at what Jesus said. Do you trust what God said when He said He would, when He said He would save you? John 14, look, look at what He said to His disciples. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That's the blessing that we have in the Lord. Run to the Lord when, if you sin, if you're having trouble. Run to Him and go into the corral that He's built for you because He will instruct you. He will love you. He will give you peace. His peace, not the world's peace. John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When we hide our sin and when we're struggling and we're just focusing on being good and maybe nobody will notice how really bad I am, then we're not believing that God gives you peace. You're not believing or trusting that God cares for you. You're not believing or trusting that God will protect you. You're not believing and trusting that God is close to you and will instruct you. Jesus says, don't do that. The world will give you heartache, but I will give you rest. The last privilege that we have in this open relationship with the Lord, this true relationship with the Lord It says, be glad in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, rejoice literally in His righteousness. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Those who walk with the Lord in purity have a reason for praise. We can't help but shout in joy. We're going to praise God. We're going to praise God often. We're going to sing the Lord. We're going to have, we're just going to be walking around talking about how great God is. That's the gospel. It's all about God. It's all about His work. It's not about me. Literally, it's talking about they are encompassed about with songs of deliverance. My God will deliver me. My God has delivered me. My God is delivering me. Because of the close relationship with God. Let me ask you this question. Do you Are you enjoying protection from God? Do you feel it? Do you see it? A lot of times when we get involved in the things in the world and we're at school, we're working, our family life relationships, not every situation feels right or feels good. We experience many troubles, many tribulations, many storms. Do you sense the protection that you have from God? How about the preservation? Do you feel preserved with God? Do you feel a close proximity with God? How about the peace that God has given us? Let me ask you a question. Either you don't have a relationship with God and He hasn't saved you, you didn't realize that you needed a Savior Or you are still relying on your own works in your life to be close to God. Anytime you live that way, it minimizes God. It does not help your relationship with God. Ask David. Ask Paul. That's why Paul wrote Romans 4 and quoted, quoted David. It's not about our work. It's about who God is run to God. He will provide these divine blessings in your life. When we expose our sin, our life to the Lord, when we are true and honest before Him, He will encompass us with His mighty hands. And it's not like the electric fence at our house, right? When my animals get zapped, I, I grin. When you get zapped, God is not grinning. He's loving you and not the way. I don't know why I smile every time they get zapped. It just, but I guarantee that's not the way God is. God is not into torturing you. God desperately is waiting with His loving arms to shield you and to love you. That's what our relationship is with God. But that's also the opposite of what it is when we rely on ourselves. God knows you're not perfect. Run to Him no matter what. No matter what. And if you're struggling in life, run to Him. If you're struggling with sin, run to Him. Let Him. Wrap his arms around you and say, Oh, son, oh, daughter, I wish you would have been there sooner. And let him instruct you. Let him give you the gaze of a father who understands the pain of both wrongdoing and just the pain of this world. And let him love on you this morning. Maybe you've been struggling with that. Stop this morning. And as we, fin- as we sing to the Lord, just run to him with your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Run to Him and let Him love you with an everlasting love. By the way, perfect love casts out all fear. God is love. He is the perfect love. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I I pray that if there's anyone here that has not run to you, they have not submitted their life and and bared their sin before you and say, Lord, I need a Savior. And realize that the consequences of their sin, it says, the wages, we we earn death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. None of us are perfect. We deserve your wrath. Lord, you gave us the answer and the fact that you sent your son, your only son, the begotten of the Father. You came to die in our place, to pay for our sin, to be the go-between, to settle the account of the wrath that is owed to us. And you stepped in between. And you said, whoever would call, who would believe, who would put their faith and trust in you and call upon your name, you would save their life. And I pray that if there's someone that's listening or someone that's here this morning and say, man, I have not done that. I, I know that God loved me and I know that God, I've heard all of this stuff about how God is loved, but I didn't realize how much he truly loved me by dying in my place for my sin. And I haven't laid my life before him and surrendered. I pray that they would simply call upon you this morning and be saved. Do a work in their heart this morning that they cannot do for themselves. Anybody else here, Lord, I pray that is struggling. I pray that you would bless them and help them to get a different picture of the loving Father, the correcting Father, the disciplining Father, but that is there, close, protecting, guiding, instructing, preserving our life, and waiting with open arms to surround us with your perfect love. What a privilege we have for those who are in Christ. I pray that that love would just change the outlook of our church, that we'd be one of praise, that we wouldn't be focused on all the the shouts of anger and hurt, but that we would be saying, this is who my loving Father is. And that we would shout for joy and praise God from the rooftops and just love you with an everlasting praise and shouts of joy because of your everlasting love that you have poured out upon us. Lord, you are holy. You are deserving of all the praise, all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.